1: And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And, you know, we are so excited to have with us today, again, some amazing podcast hosts that I've been really tackling some of the really, you know, difficult and compelling issues around doing AI right that we like to talk a lot about here on the AI Today podcast. And that's really about the ethical and responsible and and many aspects of doing uh, making ai work for not just for organizations but for society and so we're going to interview them i'll be introducing them in just a moment our, our our guests for us but for those of you that are new to the ai today podcast maybe you're hearing uh, about us On the Radical AI podcast, which is what our two hosts are are from. And we were really excited to do an interview uh, with them. And now they're on our podcast. And uh, if you're not familiar with the AI Today podcast, for those of you that are new, we focus on. Actually putting AI into production today, what does it actually take? You know, what are the, some of the challenges and the difficulties of making AI work? We hear about all the great promises of what AI can deliver and all the sort of the research and all the great science fiction and stuff. But you know, when it comes down to it, a lot of organizations struggle with the day-to-day, the mundane and really making data work and AI systems work. And it, a lot of times it does come down to issues of data quality and quantity. So if you're new to the Ad Today podcast, we've been going for over four years now, 220 plus episodes. You can listen to great interviews from AI experts and, and data science folks from large organizations, smaller organizations, government agencies, and other folks. So do please subscribe and tune into all of them. So, as mentioned, we are really excited to have with us today the hosts of the Radical AI podcast. That's Jesse J. Smith and Dylan Thomas Doyle, who are, as mentioned, both co-hosts of the Radical AI podcast and PhD students at the University of Colorado Boulder in the information science department. So let's give them a big thank you and welcome to the AI Today podcast. All right. Thank you so much, Ron and Kathleen,
2: for having us. Uh, just by way of quick Introduction. Just and I will go over our, our basic research outside of the Radical AI podcast, and then bridge over to why it was important for us to start this podcast, and then also uh, kind of our hopes and dreams uh, for for what it is and where it's going. Um, so, again, my name is Dylan Thomas Doyle. As you said, I'm an information science PhD student at the University of Colorado Boulder. My big research question is what it means to be human in the age of big data, and uh, my research is specifically uh, it's. AI adjacent, but not necessarily AI focused. I come from a humanities and religious studies background, and I'm studying death and technology. Um, so you can think about the memorial feature on Facebook, what are the users needs, you know, we all die and our technology is not designed for that for mortality. And so um, my work is to figure out well, what can we do about that to identify users needs, and then also to design um, around that.
3: Thank you, Dylan, for that intro. And I am the other half of the Radical AI podcast. I'm Jess. I'm also a PhD student at. CU Boulder, and uh, I don't have quite as many buzzwords in my research tagline. I'm not researching what it means to be human, but I am researching what it means to build ethical and, and good AI and transparent AI. So with my research, I look into different AI algorithmic systems that are attempting to be better, whether this is more fair, more ethical, whatever it may be, and finding ways to explain some of those concepts back to lay people, back to the users to try to get. Give them more agency and to try to promote transparency and build trust between systems and the people who are impacted by those systems. And the reason that Dylan and I started this podcast together is because. Uh, Well, so Dylan and I are from very different backgrounds. I think you might've mentioned this, but if you didn't, he's from religious studies and I'm from computer science. And so when you mesh religious studies and computer science, you get what does it mean to be human and how do we incorporate that meaning into artificial intelligence and how do we interrogate these technologies in a way that embodies this complex, granular human experience. And so the podcast came out of that uh, interesting and unique combination and diversity of Thought between the two of us, and originally it actually it, it stemmed from we like to say a little bit of frustration and anger at the state of podcasts generally in the AI sphere. And uh, what we were frustrated about is the fact that AI conversations are happening all the time. We know this. I mean, we're on a, an AI podcast right now, with us being AI podcast hosts and you being a podcast host. This is the meeting of AI podcasts. And unfortunately, what we were seeing a lot of the time is that AI conversations either focus, uh, they have a hyper focus either on the technical aspects, which is awesome, but really gatekeepy, or they have a focus on potential ethical aspects. But when they do talk about ethics, it's a little bit like lip service. And it's, it's kind of like greenwashing. It's almost like people are saying the things that they know should be said, but nobody's actually getting down to the nitty gritty, uncomfortable topics that are pervasive in AI that are causing a lot of harm and doing bad in the world. Nobody's really interrogating those in the ways that they need to be interrogated. Nobody's talking about the sticky stuff like sexism and racism and discrimination and oppression and liberation and power as it exists and as it's enacted in AI, people kind of brush that stuff to the side and just assume that somebody else will talk about it. So we wanted to be those somebody else's by bringing on all the people who are doing that kind of groundbreaking work in AI. And that brought us to where we are today which uh, I think Dylan has a thought about where we are today.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, and so this is to name that that frustration was also happening at a very particular point in time, which was at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Um, And so there were wonderful podcasts like yourself who were looking into some of these issues, but it was also a very different field than it is now. And I think there's been a lot of really wonderful work from a lot of really amazing scholars and also podcasts to bring in these power analysis and really, uh, you know, confronting uh, some of the the racism or sexism within our artificial intelligence systems, which we're happy uh, to go into, but we're we're coming up on two years, <laughs> at some point. Um, but again, thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, we're so excited. Thank you both of us. Uh, thank you to both of you for joining our podcast today, and we can dig a little bit deeper into some of these topics. And We also encourage our listeners to check out the Radical AI podcast if they'd like to hear this on a more regular basis. Uh, so you know. We got a, a great introduction from you guys. You both have very diverse backgrounds, which is interesting bringing it into the podcast world. So can you share with our listeners how you use your podcast to probe and advance the field of AI ethics? And where do you currently stand? And where do we currently stand as well, You know, as a society with ethical AI? Yes.
2: I think the first question is easier to answer than the second question. Um, so maybe I'll take the first part and Jess if you want to solve ethical uh, artificial intelligence for us after that would be wonderful. Um, so, yeah so uh, basically the uh, as we kind of alluded to, the idea of the podcast was that there's a lot of stories out there. There's a lot of people doing really amazing things, um, especially confronting these uh, either systems of oppression or systems of the status quo um, that have existed in Silicon Valley and beyond for a long time, and that those voices weren't necessarily being seen and those stories were not necessarily being told. Um, so you can think about uh you know one of our earliest podcasts had Ruha Benjamin. Um Dr. Benjamin talked about um you know the the experience of uh being black within the AI systems, right? And and being seen in that in a, in a different way in the technical aspects of that or you know we had Timnit Gebru uh on Dr. Gebru um just a, an amazing hero of ours. And so that's really how we started. It's like who are our heroes in this space and how do we how do we start talking to them? Um but uh basically the idea is that these stories are important, right? The way that um, our technical systems and uh societal systems change is through storytelling. And that is, I think, the beauty of podcasting as well. Um, and so we kind of just started to tell those stories, um, and especially with this focus on power, um, and then moved continually into this ethics space and the questions of what does ethics even mean in artificial intelligence systems, which I think it's still very much uh, in formation. Um, and what gets said is not always what's heard. And so part of what we're trying to do is not to necessarily say, hey, this is ethical, this isn't ethical, or there there are definitely trends towards that. And there's definitely values that we represent more than others um, on our podcast through even how we choose our guests. But we are saying that these stories need to be told and we need to think critically about AI ethics, even down to that definitional phase.
3: Yes. Piggybacking off of that, I think it's really important for us to express that On this show and in general in the field, like the discipline of AI ethics, it's really important to to know what your values are individually and as a, a research group, as a podcast group, as a collective, as a university, as a whatever organization, institution, and to hold true to those values with your actions, with your money, with where you put your time and your words. But uh, on top of that, it's also important to be open-minded about there being various ethical frameworks at play when we create AI and various ethical frameworks at play when we talk about how AI harms people. And when we talk about how AI can be built to be better and there is no one single solution that is the end all be all for everything. And that is probably one of the most frustrating things that Dylan and I have to listen to again and again from various people who we've chosen to not have on the podcast is when people think that there is one single solution to making AI good or quote good, <laughs> I'm using air quotes cause you know, we're on a podcast and I'm in people's ears and not in front of their faces but there there are ways to make AI better Subjectively, But there is no objective good or best or solution here. And so our podcast, the intention is not to get in front of people or to get in their ears and to tell them what we think is good and bad and what we think is wrong and right. It's to present them with an array of people who are doing amazing and important research in this space and to tell them, here are all the possibilities of things that could be bad. Here are all the ways in which people have experienced the lived experience of bad and harm. And here are all the ways in which we can attempt to mitigate some of those harms or minimize some of those harms to try to make things a little bit better. And maybe we can envision what better looks like along the way. So where we currently stand with ethical AI, which I think was the second part of this question, and I'll do my best to, to touch on this topic, but I'm by no means going to solve ethical AI in 10 seconds here. I will say for me personally, cause I'm, I won't speak for both Dylan and I here. 10 minutes, how about that? I'm joking. Okay, Yeah, give me 10 minutes, maybe I'll solve it then. Uh, no, I think where, where I personally stand with ethical AI right now is that I am realistic but I am also optimistic. And so what I mean when I say that is I am realistic right now, knowing that there's a lot of negative ways that AI is being implemented in society. There's a lot of harm. There's a lot of bad. I'm realistic that things are not great, but I'm optimistic that they can get better. And I'm hopeful that people are doing great work right now to make things better. And that's one of the things that I love most about this podcast that Dylan and I run is that we get to talk to people on a weekly basis who are doing this important work that gives us hope that things are looking up and that they can continue to look up, without, of course, minimizing the bad that's going on, because that's important to highlight too.
2: <laughs> and I think, oh, sorry. No, you <laughs> I, I just wanted to uh, to uh, I, I appreciate the optimism. I think, for speaking for myself, I think I fall into more of a, a pessimistic um, view, which I think is what makes Jess and I such good uh, companions on this journey. Exactly, um, is uh, that I think the more that we've talked to folks, it's clear that the imagination is there. It's clear that the ability to uh, that there there are some potential clear pathways towards ethical AI. Um, in this multi-stakeholder system and the fact that it's a multi-stakeholder system means that it's really difficult to then implement those things like you can have as many checklists as you want um, but if we're not shifting the foundation underneath that if we're not actually looking downstream at who's being harmed if we're not really like bringing it into our entire end-to-end product development and design process um, and really for us i think like if we're not following where the money is and then disrupting that in some way then, like the system by definition is not actually going to change. Uh, And so I think we're seeing a lot of folks doing amazing work, as Jess was saying, and I think there's a hell of a lot more work to do um, in this space. And it's going to take folks who are in positions of power within these systems to then make those changes.
1: That's great. Really great insight. I mean, As mentioned, our listeners couldn't see the air quotes earlier. They couldn't see me being really enthusiastic on the video either. But, you know, I have to say that part of the reason why we're we're really so enthusiastic about this this idea of ethical and responsible AI um, is for a couple of reasons. One, ordinary individuals and companies are not going to accept AI systems that they can't trust. And we already can see this. It's like this is like not even a hidden thing. When, When people stop trusting things, they start. Doing all sorts of, you know, resistance, <laughs> you know, whether it's and sometimes even resisting like, guys, this is like proven science or something. Why are you res-? Because because once you start eroding that trust, then people start not trusting things that 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 are plainly in front of them, right? So we have to build systems of trust. I mean, there's no other way to, to make any of this work. You know, and a lot of our interviews in AI today, one of the things that we have found is that. Well, while, while a lot of the sort of the, the AI systems that get a lot of press and publicity, the highly visible ones are the ones that we talk about a lot, autonomous systems and really interesting conversational systems and chatbots and recognition systems like facial recognition or predictive analytics systems and, and algorithmic decision making, especially the big ones that result in all these colossal Mistakes like you know uh, the Apple card basically doing the wrong thing and granting credit to the same couple different levels of credit based on male female so clearly there's some data bias going on here. But the, but the 90, the, the funny thing, I would say that's like the, the, the tip of the iceberg. The 90% of AI systems are so mundane. They're like little NLP systems that automatically classify documents or, you know, recognition systems that help with insurance claims. And this is actually the interesting thing. This is kind of where the ethical and responsible aspects really need to be implemented. It's not in like the, the big splash of like, well, I guess we'll take down the chat bot or we'll take down that system. It's like, yeah, but you're not going to take down your insurance claims processing system. That's just too tied into your system. So it's all these things that don't make the news, the decisions that are not being made up here, they're being made way down there. They're being made by project managers and machine learning engineers and data scientists that honestly don't really, they don't know the the full scope and they they don't, they're like, I'm just, I build model. You give me data, bad data. I tell you clean data. I work with data I have, you know? And so one of the things that we did for our, for our listeners may have heard this on an earlier episode is we actually just tried to classify, there are all these ethical AI frameworks that have been out there produced either by countries, by, by companies, by nonprofits, by, multinational organizations, incorporate consortium. We tracked about 63 or 64 of them. What we tried to is like, we just tried to compare them. We're just like, we're not going to say what's good or bad. And we're like, that's interesting. They're not consistent at all. So (laughs) you might've found that like, well, what is it? What does ethics mean? You know, there's societal ethics stuff, you know, do no harm and all that sort of stuff. Issues of bias, diversity, fairness, inclusion, all that sort of stuff, which is good for society. But then you have that next level, which is sort of the doing doing AI things in a responsible way. Algorithmic decision-making can be good, can be not good, <laughs> sort of de- depending what you're doing, depending if there's a human in the loop or not, right? And then you have this other layer that we found, which is about governance of systems, which is, do companies even have processes in place by which they can continuously evaluate uh, these systems you might be surprised or maybe you're not given you guys have been talking about it, there's not a lot of oversight especially at these lower levels and someone's like oh, i'm just going to put together a machine learning model that you know does this thing well, how bad can it be <laughs> and the answer is well it depends you know it could be and then you even have like things like algorithmic transparency and algorithmic explainability and system uh, all that sort of stuff and so we did that so for our listeners we actually uh, produced a what's well, called a an AI ethics framework that was really just a combination of all the ethics frameworks, and say, well, if we could combine the best of all these frameworks, what would it look like? Not trying to, you know, establish it for anybody, because we're, you know, we're cognolytica research company hosts. It's like, you know, we only have like this much influence, right? But um, it's really very interesting what it looks like. So we just gave it away. It's under Creative Commons, and you're happy to take it use it whatever you want to do with it um but anyway this is a really great topic i was like like really agreeing with you because you might you may or may not be surprised but a lot of the people who work for banks insurance companies retail healthcare pharma manufacturing they're all concerned the same way because they don't have any visibility and the last thing they want is somebody's like i didn't know that my machine learning people were building this model and next thing i know We're on the wrong end of the stick on this. So um, this kind of goes to my question for you guys. So, um, you know, you guys have been really focused quite a lot on on this topic, of responsible and ethical use of AI. And so what are you seeing as some of the most common themes uh, around the responsible and ethical use of AI that that you have shared in your podcast and, um, you know, that you have seen in your research and your work, both at a PhD level and as well as at the podcast? I'm going to throw to
2: Jess for that because I I believe that she is the expert um, in in that space. But I do want to quickly um, say that although we are very critical uh, of certain elements of these things, we are not claiming that there are specific bad actors. There may be some bad apples out there, um, but in general, we've experienced most people as wanting to do better with these systems in some way. And it's more of a question of how we do that and how do we work together to do that in these very complex um, systems. And the other thing that we're not necessarily saying is let's throw this whole thing out because as you're saying, we can't, right? Like AI is is here and it's your day. And so again, it's that question of like, what do we do with it? And I think on our show, we, we really try to talk to people about, okay, what are the stories of what's happening and then how we can we do better now that these things are so ubiqu- ubiquitous?
3: Definitely. Yeah. And I would love to have a copy of the framework that you both have put together because that is Absolutely fascinating and definitely puts a magnifying glass on top of some of the biggest issues in ethical AI, which is that there's no consensus here. There's there's not really a whole lot of agreement, which makes sense because you know, there's a reason why philosophy has been debated since the beginning of of human time is because we're not going to reach consensus about a lot of these things. And that is one of the recurring themes on our show definitely is that there's a whole lot of different solutions and ideas uh, out there. And there's a lot of disagreement amongst which ones are the best depending on which context which is another theme is domains of ai and i think ron you were getting into this a little bit earlier with with your comment that you know ai we when we think about ai ethics especially our minds immediately jump to the like gender shade study on facial recognition software or people being classified as something that's really derogatory and perpetuating stereotypes or maybe large language models perpetuating toxic discriminatory sexist language whatever it be we have like this idea of what an unethical ai is but something that we talk about a lot on this show is that ethics is an issue in all areas of ai it's not just an issue in the the buzzwords of ai even though those are what get the most press because they're the sexiest topics to talk about and i think something that we like to talk about on this show, actually, instead of we, I should probably say me because I want to speak for Dylan and this is one of my previous research areas is incorporating ethics into the discipline of computer science as a whole and trying to to represent computer science as something that is not inherently move fast and break things as Mark Zuckerberg would like us to think, but is actually a little bit more of an intentional and mindful discipline that thinks critically about the consequences of what is created. And so that's, that's also another theme that we see coming up on our show is how we can build better systems, yes, but also how we can build a better discipline and how we can build better principles and guidelines around just the building of technology. Technology in general, and I know Dylan and I didn't um, touch on this before, but it's probably important to mention at this point that even though our podcast is called Radical AI, we uh, we joke that we are an AI podcast that talks about things that are rarely ai a lot of the time because ai it gets into a lot of these other more complex high level meta topics of what it means to be human and then we talk about technology broadly and when you talk about technology i mean you could be talking about your iphone or you could be talking about fire so we're we're kind of just talking about the the complex Uh, interactions between humans and society and how they influence our technologies that we use, and then how those technologies in turn perpetuate and take on our humanness, goods and bads, and uh, how that equally influences us in both positive and negative ways. And one of the ways in which it does that a lot has to do with power and who holds the power to create these systems, who holds the power to make decisions about these systems. And uh, I'm not going to take the floor away from Dylan because he loves talking about power. So I'm actually going to pitch the the softball back over to him so he can talk a little bit about what sort of power themes come up on our show.
2: <laughs> Love that softball metaphor. I'll, I'll try to work it in here. I don't think I'll be able to. Um, but uh, so, yeah, in, in terms of just to, to go over some of the high level themes that we've seen in ethical um, AI, and especially, again, people who are working towards um, some level of transformation to make these systems more ethical and more just for, for all. Um, some One of the main theme that we've seen, and this is why we've used the word power so much so far in this interview, is that people are talking about power. And it's not always the same definition, um, but it is a potential to do something, to make change, to have agency. And so it's almost this change of thinking about AI as the static thing that's out there. That's just like data coming in and then going out to saying, okay, this is actually also a social system. And so what does that, mean? like it's impacting socially in some way there's the technical element. And then there's also this impact and this, as you mentioned, Ron, like, you know, this, the questions around this human, in the loop, and then the questions around like, well, which human, when, how, um, at what levels of that loop are, is that human going to, to be because it, it matters. And so one of the premises that, we've heard time and time again from our guests is that AI is, is power. Data is power language is power. So like, what are we going to do with it? Um, some of the other high level themes we've heard a lot of people just talk about framing um, even, you know, going back to like the fifties or before you have these uh, science fiction authors who are talking about, you know, AI and the dooming of humanity and things like that. And these narratives are still within our uh, social imagination. And so we're seeing people push for, well, okay, what does AI as hope look like or technology for love or kindness? How do we optimize for for those things as opposed to just efficiency? And then finally, I think a main thing that we're seeing is around regulation, which you've already talked about um, a bit, but there are people who are trying to figure out what does it mean to regulate, especially now that everything is on this international Scale where there are so many stakeholders who are looking for uh, sometimes very different things and sometimes the same thing when it comes to ethical. And again, across boundaries of um, borders, it, we don't even necessarily have the same language for regulation, ethics, or um, maybe anything else. And so we're trying to do this work across uh, different understandings, the very basis of what uh, ethics is, which is why I think Jess's point about the philosophy is 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 so important for us to go back to that. Like, how are we even thinking about this AI thing in the first place?
0: Yeah, you touched upon a lot of different topics. All of them were, were great. You know, we were like, yes, yes, yes. You know, I think that you're right. You know, ethics ethics is hard in general because not everybody has the same ethics. So how do you build an ethical AI system when you need to define what that is? And then also you're right. You know, um, at Cognolytica, we're an AI-focused research advisory and education firm. So our listeners know, you know, we cover the market. We track about 20,000 vendors in this space. We have over 50 coverage areas. And we one of those uh, that we do analyze on a yearly basis, because um it it changes, but you know, uh times need to keep up is laws and regulations. So we cover worldwide laws and regulations as they fit with artificial intelligence. And it's interesting to track that and to continue to see how countries are adapting and regions are adapting and how globally we're adapting as well because what happens in Europe no longer is just confined to Europe it now has impacts on the united states and australia and you know asian countries and all over the world it's it's can be global regulations rather than just those you know country specific or regional specific regulations and then you guys also talked about um you know with with ethical ai it it can be incredibly difficult. so at Cognolitica, we know ethical, responsible AI, how do you go about doing that? You need to start with that in mind, right? Because you don't want to be reactionary and put the technology out there. And then after the fact, say, oh, that's not being used the right way. We didn't think that through. Uh, so that's not great, right? You want to build it with that ethical, responsible, uh, you know, mentality in mind so that you are trying to do no harm. I mean, things can always be misused and abused, but you want to make sure you're thinking that through. So at Cognolytica, we always advocate, advocate for best practices methodologies, in particular, CPM AI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology. Because in that methodology, we start with a business understanding. We say, okay, what are we trying to solve? Make sure it's an actual business problem, but then build it, you know, put those frameworks in place right at the beginning to make sure that we have our ethical and responsible AI mentality in there. We have an entire module just on Uh, Ethical and responsible AI, because we think it's so incredibly important that folks think about that. So, as our listeners know, we do advocate for CPMAI. If you're interested in learning more, we encourage you to go to courses.cognolytica.com. That's courses.cognilytica.com to learn more about CPMAI methodology and to also register for our self-paced virtual uh training and certification so that you can uh, make sure that you are doing AI right. But now switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about because you guys have, you know, a very diverse background, you're researchers, you're getting your PhD, you've also had this podcast. From your perspective and maybe you know from what you've you've heard with your guests, uh, and also taking your you know ethical uh mentality into this. What have you seen as some of the most common reasons why AI projects fail?
3: I'll try to bring my, my ethical mentality into this, but I don't know if it's any better than the next person because we all got our own individual unique perspectives on our ethics here. But I'll, I'll speak a little bit for some of the values of radical AI as well, I think. Um, and by radical AI, I mean the, the podcast that we have going because that term is also widely used in the AI ethics community. So I don't want to speak for everyone there. Um, but I, I think before answering why I think AI projects fail, I want to quickly talk about what I mean when I say failure, uh, just to make sure we're all on the same page for what failure as a word is actually defined as, because I think that a lot of people think about this word very differently. And um, I know that you both mentioned this podcast in particular um, has an audience of a lot of business-minded folks. And I think for most AI, um, either AI engineers or AI developers or AI designers or AI adjacent folks, they are also of the business mind, which is why typically historically the way that I've seen failure defined with AI, it's been all about money. And uh, we could talk a lot about money, but there's a reason why failure is really related to money in AI. Because as you were just saying, Kathleen, AI is built as a business product. Most of the time, AI is built as a tool to help companies make more money. And maybe that's through user retention. Sure. Maybe that's through um, user experience so that they come back and they click more. Maybe it's through user attention. And maybe in, in those um you know those different domains of AI. Sure. We are thinking technically about the user more because we are trying to keep them on our platform. And so we want them to trust the platform more, or we want them to come back, or we want them to like the platform more. So we can, we can attempt to think that it's about the human, but it all comes back to money really. And it's very, very rare to find an AI system that when you take it down to its roots, when you strip it down to its core, it doesn't go back to money. So historically, when we talk about AI failing, that is usually an AI that's maybe not built well, maybe doesn't have access to data, maybe isn't um, giving users the experience that they want. And so they're dropping off. So maybe it's not super accurate. And those are business failures. But I think what one of the things that Dylan and I attempt to at least um, disrupt a little bit in that conversation through our podcast is talking about other kinds of failures that a lot of businesses overlook when they're just thinking about money. And that kind of failure is like causing harm to users or making users feel unwell. And there's a lot of ways in which the way that AI is built today as a business product can actually cause a lot of harm to people. That's not really, um, it's not really uh, obvious. So for example, like TikTok, I think would be a really infamous example of this. The AI algorithm on paper is great, right? It's super accurate, keeps people engaged very, very, for a very, very long period of time. It is uh, like Definitely one of the symbolic like beacons of a well-performing AI system. But how do people feel when they stop using TikTok and when they find that they were on a rabbit hole for three hours on a platform that knows them so well that it recommended exactly the right content to keep them on it all night? Do they feel good or do they feel kind of awful about themselves? And if they feel awful about themselves, is that a sign of failure as well? And so that's something that I think Dylan and I and other folks in the AI ethics space try to encourage people to think about is the subtle failures of AI that we don't typically think of because they're not tied to money, but they're tied to human flourishing. And that, that's is—that's at least kind of more my personal perspective, but Dylan, I'm curious if you have a similar perspective as me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll build off of what you said uh, briefly. Um, first at, uh, Again, we're we are not uh, claiming, especially for uh, business-minded folks out there, um, that uh, business is inherently you know evil. Like we have some critiques of the capitalist system that we are entrenched in, and also um, we understand that it's real, and there are good reasons to um, push towards certain business practices. I think more of, of what we're saying and what we've heard um, from folks who have been impacted uh, and have been harmed by some of these systems Um, is that perhaps there's an invitation out there for us to think a little bit more critically about what failure is so there can still be failure in the computer science sense of like well maybe we do need our models to be more accurate and also to this point, there are maybe some other definitions that we can think about while we're designing those uh, systems. And so I think, right, and again, this is the beauty of, of podcasts is that we don't need the answers necessarily. Like we can have our values and we can go forth and, and say, well, there are some things maybe that we should be thinking about. But I think more importantly, um, it's to create the space to say, hey, there are other ways of, of thinking about these things. And I think the invitation to, to your audience, to our audience, et cetera, is to continue to be intentional and think critically about uh, concepts of failure and to listen to other people's perspectives of that, and also to not for success either. Um, And I think sometimes failure is easier to see than successes, um, and it's really easy to throw stones. And so um, I think there's a lot of gratitude that we have for a lot of people in the space, both within academia and industry, who are doing just really wonderful work um, on building some of those successful AI systems as well.
1: Yeah, well, we've actually been in a really fortunate position, although it is definitely true. There's a lot of business application of of AI. Uh, We actually have had quite a few public sector uh, users, actually. And we've even had like, and there's so so many, I would say, that are really, uh, you might be pleased to know that are not really motivated by the profit motive because, there is no profit motive. It's the city of Oslo, uh, basically trying to do a better job for public. Actually, a lot of public health applications, uh, a lot of applications, for example, of trying to match people up with transportation. There's a lot of isn't as a transportation issues in a lot of cases. The work from home, remote work from home situation did not make things better for public health for education so actually you know maybe you might be pleased to know uh that there actually are a lot of, of there I, w- I don't know if it's the majority but there are a lot of social benefit applications now who are who are trying to use the various aspects of ai actually for our listeners they know that we talk about so called seven patterns of ai these are the various different application domains if you want to think of it ai because when i say ai and you say ai we may not be talking all about the same thing. Actually, odds are we probably aren't. I might be talking about a chatbot conversational NLP system. You might be talking about a predictive analytics and an analytic system decision support. Someone else might be talking about anomaly detection pattern matching. Somebody else might be talking about recognition systems, you know, image recognition, or an autonomous system or a hyper-personalization system or a goal-driven system. Those are the seven patterns. And within each of those, there are many interesting applications, for example. Um, you know, even like I have a thing where I could snap a picture of a plant, for example, and it'll tell me like, oh, that's a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, there you go. <laughs> doesn't mean it's error-free. But, um, you know, and I think those are kind of like really the nice, app, you know, I would say, if the sort of kind of the nice feeling applications uh, that we see, right? But they all do suffer <laughs> from different levels of, of issues, and I think for our listeners, you know, uh, who, who are, because we actually do have quite a few folks who do work in the public sector. We have, um, we actually interviewed someone who's an economist at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they're basically just trying to save the time of, as, there's not a lot of, as you know, there's a bit of a labor crunch out there. There's not a lot of people to do work, and unfortunately, uh, there, there is a, a branch of the government called the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and people may not be aware of that, keeps track of workplace injuries, right? And the way that workplace injuries are done is they literally write, like there's a survey that you fill out and say, I fell out of my, uh, actually, he gives a really funny example. It's like, you know, an auto mechanic, uh, you know, uh, fell and broke their arm. But the order of the words makes a difference. So if you try to have a, um, a computer system to try to figure out what was the injury, what caused the injury, and what body part was the injury, car fell on person is different than person fell on car. And uh, very different meaning. And and so they had to make sure that these AI systems that were automatically doing the classification would get it right because getting it wrong, that word order makes a heck of a lot of difference. So um, that was the interview. I don't, I don't remember which episode number it was. It was a while ago. We also had them on our AI and government uh, webinar series. So I encourage our listeners to go back and check out some of these interesting uh, use cases. But certainly to our guests, uh perspective, there is an awful lot of profit motive as well in a lot of these AI systems. And so when there's profit motive, sometimes uh, responsible use of AI goes out the window. So absolutely for sure. So before I get into the last question here, I just wanna point out, you're mentioning how your own personal backgrounds are different uh, computer science in the case of Jess and Dylan, you're coming at it from from religion. I would say maybe they're not so different at all. It's the search for meaning, right? The search for meaning, I see sort of the commonality, whether it's the meaning from a theological sense or the meaning from, um, what does it mean to think you know, and what is, what is our own personal existence like? So I'm like, maybe you're on just, as I said, two sides of the same coin. So um, I guess our final note, usually this is Kathleen's last question, but you guys have been cranking along here now. So I'll, I'll ask it. And that is that as a final note, what do you believe is the future of AI in general and its applications to organizations and beyond?
3: This is a really good question to ask after talking about some of the positive things that are happening in AI, because I always appreciate having like an optimistic, hopeful lens on the future and speculating about possible positive versions of that future. Because especially like, I mean, in, in most ethics philosophy places, there's a lot of pessimism and critique that necessarily gets thrown around regularly, but it's it's also good to take a step back and be a little bit hopeful too. Uh, and like I said earlier, I'm an optimist. So I think that the future of AI, hopefully, is is looking somewhat optimistic. Uh, I do think that there are really amazing things happening in the research right now to make AI more transparent and less of a black box to invite more people to the conversation about how it's built, how it harms people and how it can be better. And I think that there are also a lot of really potential amazing applications of AI to help with this human flourishing and human well-being and to be used in the public sector and to be used for things that it hasn't historically been used for to make those things better as well. And that being said, of course, the realistic version of me also needs to come on the stage and say that I I do think that AI is going to continue to become more ubiquitous in our society and our lives every day in all different types of domains and disciplines. And that's what scares me the most is that I don't think that it is necessarily appropriate to be applied to every single domain. Um, But I do see that most likely happening. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be done in a more intentional way than it has in the past, but I guess we'll see if that happens or not.
2: And I'll take back my self-identifier as a pessimist from before. I like to see myself as a pragmatist. Maybe sometimes it comes across as pessimism. Um, but uh, but to, to Jess's point, I think there's some really uh, amazing work, especially around uh, accountability happening right now at a large scale. Uh, and honestly, the fact that we're even having this conversation and that your podcast exists and that our podcast exists says something, right? Because you know, five years ago or six years ago, whatever, like these conversations weren't happening at the level that they're happening now. The fact that even like, although um, maybe to Justin and I, it's not always going far enough in these conversations, um, The even the fact that these are happening at the CEO level, even the fact that these conversations, that ethics is uh, being brought into the boardroom in the first place for more reasons than just we're worried about being sued, um, but saying like, oh, okay, there's actual impact that our work does, or that, um, you know, even in, in some, um, like some, some scrum, so within like, uh, a particular industry context that it's, it's happening in the design phase two that we're talking about ethics or that we're even thinking about like different ways of like relational ethics versus all these other things. I think the fact that these conversations are happening and I don't see them slowing down uh, based on conversations that we're having, I actually see them increasing. Now, again, the pragmatism (laughs) element is, well, then what do we do, right? I, I don't think any of this conversation... I think it matters, but it matters to the degree that it can be implemented and operationalized and is made actionable in the systems that we have. And as we continue to now uh, have people paying attention to this and come up with specific models or frameworks, as you all have done, um, that's incredibly important and foundational. And now it's like, okay, now what? Um, And I think that's what I'm waiting for. So I see some now what's that are... Um, very hopeful. And then I see some now what's that are, Oh, we have this framework, but we don't actually need to deal with that right now. Like, Oh, we'll deal with that in 10 years. Or like, I'm a small startup. I don't have the uh, bandwidth to, to look at this right now. And so how do we make this stuff more accessible as well? Um, because we can have as many frameworks as we want. And until it's actually being embedded, um, I think I'm going to be a little, a little, uh, squiggy, as a friend of mine says about some of this. So I I do think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful. Um, And I think as long as we continue to bring in more and more voices into this conversation
1: um, and continue to have the conversation, then hopefully we have a very hopeful future here. Well, fantastic. Well, we have definitely enjoyed this conversation. I think this has been fantastic. We have hosts here of the Radical AI podcast. We encourage our listeners to listen, tune in. We're going to definitely link to this in the show notes, some episodes, if you uh, will highlight a few, some that you may want to listen to. And yeah, def- definitely keep up the conversation. As mentioned, a lot of our listeners, you guys are practitioners. You're putting this stuff in- into place. You hear us talking about all the time. Think about this from day one, from step one, from step negative one. Think about it even before you started thinking about it. That's not possible, but you should. Uh, and um, and then you know that way we, we you introduce these processes. Not a matter of being like the heavy lift. And I think this could be just just so much more helpful. So we we have a lot to share on the show notes, but uh, I do want to be mindful of our listeners' time and our host time as well. So I want to give a big thank you to our two hosts uh, who have joined us here, the host of the Radical AI Podcast, Jesse J Smith, and Dylan. Thomas Doyle, as mentioned, co-host of the Radical AI podcast and PhD students at CU Boulder, I should say. I sounded probably really dorky the way I said it before, like someone didn't know what I was talking about, Uh, and the Information Science Department, and uh, you you guys are just doing fantastic work. Thank you so much for having us on, Ron
2: and Kathleen. This was really great. Absolutely, and we look forward to having you on the Radical AI podcast uh, shortly and launching our episode alongside this one.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. We had a really great discussion and we'll definitely link to the Radical AI podcast in the show notes, as well as our episode with Ron and me on your podcast. We'll link to our Cognolytica AI ethics framework so that our listeners can check that out if they're interested and also some additional podcasts that we had mentioned. So Listeners, as always, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Like I said, we'll link to everything in the show notes, including our CPMAI methodology and certification course as well. So you can check that out. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more